coming to you live from Crutabulon, where we're celebrating another successful hunt with yet another hunt. Hyman Cholo to one and all, and this is Interdimensional RSS, the unofficial Rick and Morty podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Travis. Hello, everyone. I am Brandon. And welcome to another episode of Interdimensional RSS, the unofficial Rick and Morty podcast. So happy you could join us for the second to last episode of season three. Brandon, it feels the, like it's gone by so quickly. The penultimate is what they say. Penultimate. I love, I love frivolous words like penultimate. It's not frivolous. Everyone uses it. Everyone. Yeah, it's, it's commonplace. <laughs> uh all right, well, uh, we have a very special guest that I will introduce in just a moment, but before I do, I just want to remind everyone how they can get in touch with the show if they have comments about Rick and Morty or this podcast or anything else in general. Send us your recipes at our Twitter on <laughs> at Rick and Morty Pod, uh, over on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rick and Morty Podcast. You can send us an email at rickandmortypodcast at gmail.com. Check out our tea Public site at apatheticenthusiasm.com slash shop, where you can get t-shirts with cartoon versions of our faces on it mm-hmm. and if you really enjoy the show head over to patreon.com slash rick and morty pod where there are a few different ways you can continue to support this podcast ladies and gentlemen without further ado we're very happy today to have mr jared bauer from the squanch joining us jared thank you so much for being oh, on the thank podcast. you guys for having me this is super fun yeah absolutely it was it was such a pleasure meeting you last week uh when, when yeah, i was i on- thought that that episode turned out really great. Uh, it was great having you on, Brandon, especially for uh, we kind of needed the extra insights for the clip show episode because it doesn't really have as much to talk about as your traditional narrative episode. Yeah, that, and, and we didn't even we we didn't even plan it that way, and it just kind of fell into place uh, because there, there's there's I guess there's not really too much you, insight you can really glean from like such a disparate array of of scenes, right? Yeah. Um, so. But yeah, it was awesome, and, and thanks again for having me. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We loved having you. We'll have to do it again. Ooh. 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 And, and we'll Ooh. leave Travis out. Yes, I'll continue to <laughs> no, watch from get, the I sideline. mean, we can get both of you guys on, whatever. <laughs> whatever. No, we should leave All it out. Right. I think it could be fun to have like a, a fan mail episode just combined. Like, I'll, like we'll answer your fan mail, yeah. and you answer our fan mail. Ooh, that's that's ooh. ooh let's do oh, it. That's tricky. Hey, you yeah. know what? We, uh, we have off season off season content we have to fill. So I, we have an episode. We did it. Definitely, Jer- Jared. Real quick, just for like the two or three people that may be unfamiliar with Wisecrack or the Squanch, can you just kind of do like a quick pitch for folks so they can uh, kind of know what you guys do over on that podcast? Yeah, sure. Uh, Wisecrack is a kind of a collection of academics and comedians and philosophers and filmmakers. Uh, We're primarily a YouTube channel. We also have a presence on Facebook. And we most recently started our foray into podcasting. And The Squanch is our Rick and Morty podcast. And it's our first podcast ever. And we decided to do it with our favorite show on the air, Rick and Morty. So we started breaking down every episode of the season. And I think once the season's over, we might go back and do previous episodes. So there'll be plenty of uh, plenty of episodes for you guys to come and comment on. Heck, heck yeah, heck yeah. Uh, count me in for 60 minutes, always. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, you you guys have a quite quite a big following, and you have you have such good um, insight. Uh, in each one of the episodes, even even when we're talking about a clip show, 
like Morty's mind blowers. Uh, so for for those of our listeners who are listening that don't listen to the Squanch, well, I think you I think you need to expand your horizons. Yeah, you got you got to build out that that playlist. Itt you tech. Know, <laughs> oh wow! I appreciate that. Throwing it back. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get into our first major segment on the show. Brandon, it's time for semi pertinent news. We'll get you up, Bob. We'll get you up, semi pertinent news. Brandon, it never it never ceases to amaze me uh, yeah. that you still come up with stuff. Like I've, I'm waiting for the one point when you just like look at me dead eyed in the camera <laughs> and go, Travis, Travis, I've got nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I have to say, Joe, Jared, not sure if you know, I do some stupid song for 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 these two segments. Um, well, I was actually going to say, uh, I was at first I was going to say, wow, he came up with that. That's great. And then and then apparently you come up with a new one every episode. Hot damn. That's talent. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. so cool. Uh, uh, I don't know how that you, loose improvisational feel, I think, is Brian Newton referred to. <laughs> one of these days, somebody's going to say. Uh, yeah, actually, Brandon did that one very similar on episode sixteen. What is yeah, that? I've been uh, I've been tracking all of them. I have uh, a series of files that that cross reference to different songs. They, they have a spreadsheet. Uh, right. uh, this is this is the main thing we want to talk about. Not the main thing, and the main, that that'll be in the main thing. But uh, the main thing we want to talk about in semi pertinent news is uh, an Entertainment Weekly article that came out entitled. Rick and Morty co-creator slams trolls attacking their female writers. This has sort of been a a story that's that's kind of come and gone throughout season three, especially during the first couple episodes, uh, episode two and three. Uh, it, a lot of people on Twitter were uh, sort of criticizing the episodes, not feeling like the episodes were as good as maybe some past seasons. And a lot of people seem to claim that the reason for that was because the writer credits were to female writers. And uh, this is, this is continued and, and it's actually gotten worse because trolls are doxing some of these writers. Uh, I think they said uh, specifically uh, Jessica Gao and Jane Becker were yep. the ones that have uh, been getting a lot of attention. And, and really Dan Harmon just came out and said, Hey, this isn't cool. Like stop, stop being jerks about this uh brandon what, what was your take after you read the article yeah you know before the before the season started you know we were i i was talking to jane becker and jessica gal because i was trying to get them on my twilight zone podcast and uh so you know i i had connected with them a little bit and i didn't even know what which episodes they had their names associated with before that and then and then as soon as and they were, they were super sweet just interacting with them and then the episodes come out and then, then these these people come out and they're like, oh, woman writers, right? Ugh, ruining Rick and Morty. I was like, you guys, come on. You're being you're being jerks about this. Uh, and, and and I hit up after I read the article from Entertainment Weekly with, with Dan Harmon. Uh, you know, I I reached out again to Jessica. and I was like, hey, hope hope all is well. Also, people are assholes. Sorry. Um, and she said, thanks for sorry, that. Sorry for being male. Yeah. Um, I apologize. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry. You're getting doxxed on, uh, on my behalf uh, as a male. Uh, but yeah, shitty. Yeah. Uh, what, what, Jared, what, what do you think? What do you think about that? Well, okay. So first of all, I mean, it would be Dick. Like, I, I think what you said is it was, was it dickish? What was the exact term you used? 
Uh, I think that's a fine phrase for. Okay, <laughs> I don't quite remember, but let's let's go with dickish. <laughs> it would be dickish if the episodes were not very good, and you know, it was just like, oh, you know, they're just being mean to writers who probably didn't, uh, you know, execute as well as they had before. But that's fucking bullshit. Like that, I think those episodes are just as good as any other episodes, and I think that there is kind of just arbitrary hatred going around. Uh, basically, the. The best example of how this hatred is usually not really bound in the quality of the episode is did you guys hear the outrage uh, that was surrounding the new Star Trek reboot, the television show? Um, no, I, I didn't, but I assume that because it's a female captain. So it's a female captain and they're complaining that there's like diversity when, you know, there doesn't need to be diversity. But that's the stupidest thing in the world because the original <laughs> Star Trek was all about cosmopolitanism. I mean, this was like the 70s and they had a Russian as one of the main characters and a Japanese guy as one of the characters. I mean, that was a much stronger political statement than having a female captain these days. So, yeah, I mean, this hatred, I think, is just stemming from somewhere else. And I think a lot of these young trolls, I'm assuming they're young, need to have a sit down with Dr. Wong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and not yeah, and, not for the coprophagia either. And maybe, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they should There's... eat shit a little bit, but <laughs> nah, joking. I, re- realistically, and and I think what what a lot of this boils down to is, you know, writing this show is a collaborative effort. And yes, they do put one writer's name uh, to give that writer credit at at the, at the beginning of an episode, but. You know, it's not like one person takes an episode and writes it out and then they animate it and it and it makes it to TV. This there's a whole group of people that are providing, you know, drafts and reviews and 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 collaborating on this process. And and it's an honor, I think, for for each of them to receive that writer credit and say, you know, what, this episode is is sort of is sort of my contribution to the show. Um and you know, it's that that could have been a Ryan Ridley episode, depending on the on the way that that things got written, and and so it really it doesn't matter, you know, who the one person is that that their name's on there. Like every they're all working so hard to make something that we obviously love because we're talking about it every week on a podcast, and uh, and so I think it's just it's it's better for the fan base to appreciate those creators than try to kind of bring them down. So I don't know. Hopefully, hope hopefully. You know, if you guys disagree with us, you'll let us know. But um, I don't know. We just we just want to support all of the team that's doing this. Yeah, absolutely. It, because at the end of the day, they're doing great work. I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I th- I think we're I think we three are in agreement here. Yay! And and I and I want to throw this last bit out. You know, looking looking to diversify is not a bad thing. Like and and just and just because you're looking, you're you're searching diversity out doesn't mean that you're searching mediocre or crappy people out. You're like, oh, I have to I have to put a cruise into this, a Brandon Cruise into this episode. Uh, let's find the shittiest Brandon Cruise we can, uh, which is what Travis did. But, you know, other people don't. I have limited options, Brandon. <laughs> I also feel like we're at this place in a society where, I mean, shouldn't we all just take a step back and say, hey, don't harass people because, you know, they made an episode of a TV show that you don't like. Give me yeah. a break. Yeah. Exactly. Solid point. Exactly. Uh, uh, Brandon, do you okay. want to do you want to cover a couple of corrections or <laughs> other stuff before we move on? Yeah. So I just want to throw out uh, this correction, which is so. Uh, and and Jared, I'm glad you're here because uh, when I was on the Squanch, I mentioned Sat Five as a Doctor Who reference, uh, which it is still. But it was also the first satellite I think that 
went to the moon. And uh, and for some reason, mm-hmm. I looked up Satellite 5 and then on Google, and then I found Doctor Who. I was like, oh, well, that's it. That's weird. I, th- I figured it would be a moon thing. And what happened is it's just sat. I don't know what the, the rest of it. It's sat 5 something, but it was a it was a probe to the moon. And I, I yeah, messed it up. I think, I'm an idiot. I think it might have been like a I think it might have been like a rocket that they used for some of the Apollo missions or things like that. So yeah, it yeah. was it was actual uh like NASA missions to the moon and it was a little nod that I think the animators might have thrown in yeah. there. Yeah. I think but, I, I think that was Terry Wolf on, on Twitter who told me and was you know, made me look stupid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, always. And speaking speaking of looking stupid, uh Travis no i'm joking so ryan ridley he was on he was on the show and at around a minute 20 seconds or so into or not a minute uh an hour 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 and 20 seconds into the show he says you know i just take thing you know i just take for granted that justin roiland blah 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 Uh, and this is obviously before morty's mind blowers and so my younger brother brett who noticed it and he pointed it out, and then I pointed it out to Travis, and Travis was like, "Oh my God, he gave us a hint," I, and I and I didn't think that he did. I think he legitimately, maybe maybe the joke was about him saying "granite" instead of "granted." All right. Ooh, I really like this in, because in, in, in the court of podcast opinion, I just want to <laughs> state my case very quickly because <laughs> right before he has the "take for granite" line, uh. It's we're having the conversation about interdimensional cable. We're talking about season three and the possibility of an interdimensional cable type episode. And so in that conversation, uh, I and the reason I think it's so kind of triggered in my mind is because I did a mind show VR clip uh, of that part of the interview. And he talks about how there's something that they're doing that's not exactly interdimensional cable, but it'll be, you know, sort of something that people like and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then the next question you ask about Meeseeks, and he says that all the Justin Roiland characters that he voices are great, and he doesn't take for granted anything that he does. So I honestly feel like he had, he wanted to like, he wanted to sneak something in that we definitely didn't catch and wouldn't have caught until after Mind Blowers. But I don't know, it, you know, we, I talked, I he went into like a, one of those like late night Twitter storms over the weekend, and and I tried to call him out about it. He said that it maybe wasn't intentional, but there were a lot of like dot, dot, dots and things. So I still don't feel 100% that we have a clear answer on whether or not it's legit. It's true. Uh, Well, you know, when when you were on the Squanch, we were talking about how that episode had a lot of uh, meta jokes that kind of comment on perhaps the dynamic in the writer's room or the dynamic between the showrunners and the rest of the crew. And... I really like this point because now it almost supports our idea that there were a lot of jokes that, you know, reflect on more than actually the text of the episode, especially if the whole granite thing is just a jab at Ryan Ridley. <laughs> and if that is, we we love you, Ryan, and I'm sorry for calling out that on Twitter, but uh, we still appreciate you coming on the podcast and don't hate us. <laughs> all right. All right, Travis. I think I think it's time. I think it's time we move on after 17 minutes. To move on to uh, <laughs> the main thing. The main thing. How sweet the episode. The episode. <laughs> I started going into like a old panhandlers. <laughs> ah, I thought we were going to get like a full uh, 
rendition, like a full parody version. I don't know if uh, I can hit the high note as the... of Amazing Grace. So or amazing any of the episode. Notes. Amazing <laughs> Beth. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, main thing this week, brand new episode, episode three hundred nine, the ABCs of Beth, written by Mike McCann. Mike McMahon, I can't, I, I can't do a last name ever in this show. Effing ever. And then directed by Juan Meza Leon. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to live with it. Yeah. You know, it's my Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> that, that's good. That's good. That's solid, Travis. Uh, yeah. And it, so the synopsis, are you doing a synopsis? Do a synopsis because I don't know how you, how All you right. do it. Uh, so <laughs> uh, in this episode, Summer and Morty spend their custody weekend with Jerry where they meet his new girlfriend, a Crutabulon warrior named Kiara. And uh, with the kids out of the house, Beth and Rick revisit Froopy Land, the childhood realm Rick designed for little Beth. Uh, we discover that one of Beth's childhood friends, Tommy, was trapped in Froopy Land, and Beth must bring him back to the real world to prevent Tommy's dad's execution. Uh, we learn a whole lot about Beth and how she was as a child, and we explore further the relationship between her and Rick. Uh, overall, Brandon, what were your initial thoughts on this episode? Well, uh, you know, I want to, I want to defer this to, to Jared. He is our guest and I would like to, I would like to hear his, his opinion. I love this episode. I will say that uh, a lot of the, I guess the reveals about Beth were kind of jarring to me at first. I never really thought of her, or at least I never thought in any previous episodes, there was really any indication that she was a sociopath or that she would take joy in massacring all those kind of teletubby human mix abomination things did you guys feel that (laughs) were were, i mean it was definitely hilarious and i think you know upon a little bit of reflection it works but did it seem like whoa we're learning a lot about beth right now yeah i i thought i agree with you it was it's a little bit jarring and and i think i talked to travis a little bit about this last night I think it's jarring because we're not used to seeing a sociopathic woman, unless you're watching Gone Girl. Spoiler alert. Um, Love it, that movie. And and, and I and I think that's kind of what what is is initially jarring. And we just talked about misogyny a few minutes ago. But I I, I, <laughs> I think that's that's where I was coming from with it. Like, plus we didn't see we haven't seen anything in the show really other than her being a wino or her being selfish that she is has sociopathic tendencies there's the weird yeah. thing where she's making the horse hoof collage which is definitely <laughs> off-putting but not something i would expect is an in, in is indicated in, is indicative god I, I it's okay it's okay i can sound like an idiot if you don't if you don't edit this but it, yeah i don't really think that's anything that's indicative of somebody who would take joy in murdering a bunch of things plus i, I want to know what you guys think like when I think of Rick killing things, I think of him as more indifferent than necessarily taking pleasure in it like Beth does. Yeah, I, I think that um I like I almost feel like the the pleasure that we see Beth experiencing as she's, you know, taking her sentient switchblade to little uh Muppet babies is it isn't so much the the joy in in killing them necessarily it's more of the joy in realization in her realization of who she might truly be or or who she might actually like what or what she might be capable of um because in that moment she's also saying like oh god i'm i'm my i'm my dad and and the first time she says that when she when she's talking about the apology 
and I'm sorry that you feel like you need an apology. She like resents the fact that she's like Rick. But in that moment, she's like, you know what? No, I, I am like Rick. And maybe she's realizing that she's capable of a lot more than she's given herself credit for for a long time. Yeah, I, I, or it's I, maybe that she can just do this horrible thing without any guilt. I'm sorry. Keep, yeah. you go ahead. No, that's that's, that's also very possible. <laughs> no, that, that that's true. That's true. I, I think, you know, I I just said we haven't really seen any signs or evidence of it. But even in the I forget the episode name, but they're on the alien counseling planet with her her and Jerry, and she's this gigantic narcissistic. Oh right, like the queen. alien. Alien Queen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they're doing good like point. a marriage counseling. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Uh, you know, I think that's I think that's a good uh good piece of evidence for that for that case. So we've maybe Well wait, seen but hold a on a second. That was correct me if I'm wrong, that was Jerry's projection of Beth. Yeah yes. Yes. Yes, that is true. So mm-hmm. like they put the machine on Jerry's head and you know, the idea it was basically um took the yeah like he thinks of her as a controlling kind of demon alien monster woman yeah i i and and that is true i don't think it necessarily uh debunks it because in a way in a, in a certain sense jerry can see other people for who they are uh he just has an issue as we'll see in this episode realizing what his problems are and and so I think that you know perception is not always accurate, but it can be. And uh, we see with Tommy with with uh, Beth pushing him into the honey and then leaving him. That <laughs> you know what his perception of of Beth uh, as a huge jerk and leaving him in this place to die was accurate, and that was his perception of it. And I think I think Jerry has a point as well in that episode. Yeah, definitely. Well, now what, now we clearly see it. Yeah. What what did what did you guys think about sort of the revelation or or the reveal that uh, that Beth was not a sweet little girl? I think that the few times we've gotten clips of of little Beth, where it was like the the simple Rick's uh, uh, little clip, or um, in, at the beginning of this season when he's doing the flashback. I don't. We don't really get to hang out with little Beth, but she just seems like an innocent little girl and the fact that rick is like no you were you know a sociopath and you wanted me to build you all kinds of terrible toys and 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 i had to basically protect the neighborhood from you did that did that come off as 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 believable initially or did is that something you kind of had to uh kind of come to grips with as you went through the episode jerry so i I, I defer I, I find this to be a little bit confusing, maybe not confusing, but I think there's something deliberately ambiguous in the episode because, you know, the arc that we see with both Rick and Beth is that they both refuse to take responsibility for their decisions that they made earlier in life. So uh, Rick refuses to uh, admit or, you know, say sorry for the fact that he basically locked or or he he put Beth in a really expensive playpen instead of being emotionally available to his daughter. And similarly, Beth is unable to, you know, come to terms or rather take responsibility for the fact that she locked Tommy there and ruined his life. And so, you know, this also connects back to when Dr. Wong is talking about how Rick uses his intelligence to justify sickness. 
And I, I think we see a little bit of that in this episode where Rick says, you know, like, how can you criticize me? You know, I made this river that's literally a fucking rainbow. You know, I, I made you like the softest ground in the world. Um, and what I'm getting to with this is that, you know, even when Rick is bringing up all those awesome toys that he made her, Beth says, yeah, well, that's just because I wanted to spend time with you. I wanted you to pay attention to me because I, you know, had this hole in my heart that only my father could fill. And I'm wondering if Rick saying the reason that all Ricks build fruity lands for their Beths is because they're all sociopaths. I'm wondering if that's just more of Rick not taking responsibility for being a good parent to Beth. At least I think that, like, the episode kind of constructs this ambiguity that they're both, you know, so radically, you know, Rick-esque that they'll never apologize for their actions. They'll never take responsibility for the bad choices they've made. So I guess I was wondering if Rick saying that was just another reflection of the fact that he's avoiding any kind of criticism. The the one counterpoint I think I would make to that is when Rick straight up says, no, I was a bad dad, like, and he, like, does the thumb towards his face, like, <laughs> no, totally accept that I was a bad dad, I was not available to you. He, he's, he's, not, he's not kind of shedding that criticism, he's, he's accepting it and saying, yeah, no, I wasn't there, but That's you were point. also pretty screwed up, so, like, I, th- I think... And and realistically, we haven't seen this aspect of Beth across three seasons. We're seeing a lot more indicators of it now. But I also think that because of where Beth made her decisions in life and, and when she got pregnant and they, they she married Jerry and had Summer, I think she maybe buried down some of what she thought was most Rick about her. And And she also probably resents Rick for leaving so she doesn't want to embody those parts of herself that are like Rick and she'd rather say I'm going to be I'm going to have this family that two kids and with a, have a husband and we're going to you know I'm just going to be happy as a horse surgeon and and watch the bachelor and drink wine and and try to ignore everything else that I'm repressing in my life. I think I think there's a, an extra point and we I think I'm not sure if we talked about it last week or not but the article that that talks about intelligence as being evil uh, did we talk about that last week? Uh, there was an article. <laughs> Whatever. There was an article about that, and and it's it's interesting that we talked about it. Uh, I talked about it with somebody at least. And this week, the Rick even says to her, "You're not evil. You're just smart, right?" And right, worse. Uh, he says, "Worse. You're smart." Yeah, and and I I th- I think that's an interesting t- talking point. Uh, and I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that, but um, I, th- you know, I don't know. What, what, what do you think? I, I can't. I haven't really it's, formulated it, a thought I, on it. It's a really difficult ending, or that that scene is really difficult to decipher. I, I was looking at that for quite a while. Yeah, it, it's a. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think you could have someone that is inherently evil who isn't necessarily sporting a high IQ. Um, so maybe they're not as accountable to what they're doing or they don't fully understand what they're doing. They're just bad for the sake of being bad. Whereas Beth is smart and she understands fully what she's doing and also what's going on around her and possibly what those implications are across the universe and, and various timelines and things like that. So you know, Rick. Rick is saying, I think the way I 
took that is it's it's not like you're just evil you're smart and it, it goes beyond that and you have uh more understanding and, and more things that you have to wrestle with than just uh good versus evil yeah i also think there's an element of i'm sorry go ahead no no after you please Please. I was going to say, you know, in the Vindicators episode, there's considerable emphasis on kind of breaking down the distinction between good and evil. And part of me is wondering if Rick is essentially saying, you know, evil is too easy. When you're this smart, there you kind of elevate yourself above this distinction between good and evil. Because right after that, he says, when you know nothing matters, the universe is yours. And I've never met a universe that was into it. The universe is basically an animal. It grazes on the ordinary. It creates infinite idiots just to eat them. Not unlike your friend Timmy and the Beths like Tommy. So <laughs> it doesn't matter at this point, <laughs> right? I think I think the idea is that um, you know, yeah, when you know nothing matters, you kind of have this kind of yeah this burden of meaninglessness that you have to deal with, and this burden of choice which I think that later in the episode when ultimately he prompts her with the choice to, you know, embrace the clone or to continue being uh, a member of the family, I think the most important thing isn't whether she chooses one or the other, which actually I'd be very interested to see, to hear if you guys think there's any evidence to which if she chose one or the other. But I think the most important thing is that she makes a choice. Um, and I think this goes back to the Dr. Wong thing as well. She says in the Pickle Rick episode... Uh, the true, the only truly unapproachable concept for you is that it's your mind within your control. You chose to come here. You chose to talk to belittle my vocation, just as you chose to become a pickle. Each of us gets to choose. Yeah, that that aspect of her having a choice, I think, you know, and 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 Rick says it pretty clearly. Like either way, whatever you decide, it is her choice. So she's she's not deciding, or she's not saying, okay, well, I had a kid. And I'm, I have to stay with Jerry. Like I have to be in the situation. Um, I let's, I definitely want to do like an around the room sort of, uh, as to what everybody thinks she did choose. Uh, I, I'll go ahead and lead us off. Cause I'm the one that's still talking. Um, <laughs> I think that she, she did go with the clone and I don't think that they gave any clear cut, uh, like evidence in the episode that that's the choice that she went with. Uh, part of me feels like from a potential aspect and future episodes when the the version of Beth that has been exploring the universe comes back, I think that that's a really interesting aspect to see sort of what happens. Um, but maybe that never plays out. But I, I do think that Beth took the option to go and find herself. Uh, I, I'm, I think it's more interesting if she did take take up the offer to to become a clone just just in the sense that as as kind of alluded to like if she goes and she's gone for say she's gone for a year however how however much time has passed uh the clone gets all her current memories right but as soon as she comes back uh from her her hiatus things have gone things have going to have changed in in that time frame and I don't I don't think Rick says that he can transfer those memories into her, right? Uh so he's he's not specific about it, but I mean considering how mindbenders went, we we realize it's possible. Yeah, true, true, true. Uh but I, I think that I think that'd be an interesting story point. Like how does she now you know, cuz I I was away from my family for a year in Korea and even even though I FaceTimed with them from time 
from time to time, there was still so much that I was missing from like the first, the first two years of, or first he was at two years old. So uh, like a year of his life and things had changed. He developed so much in that year. And uh, so I think that'd be a good story point and a nice analog to kind of uh, the Ray Bradbury rocket man story where they, they leave for a long time and they, they miss a lot of happenings. Uh, I think this is a really awesome tool that they can kind of have in their back pocket. You know, if, if either uh, during the season finale or later in next season, if there's any some sort of positive progress made with either Jerry or and Beth or Beth and the children, some sort of, you know, really heartwarming scenario, the writers can just undercut it immediately by having the clone come back and all of that just have been bullshit and it wasn't really Beth, you know, because we all know that the writers love to undercut any attempt at meaning. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 is accurate, and and uh, you know I'm I'm fine with that that personally because it keeps it keeps things interesting. Um, though it though it does spark a lot of random theories that then we have to we have to um, explore that may may or may not be um, fully fleshed out. I guess if I'm being a pretentious asshole, which I tend to do from time to time, Pretentious I would say away. that yeah, uh, basically, I mean, at the end of the day. I mean, I always say this. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, the writers, they le- they left it open-ended. So if they want it, if they want her to have chosen the clone, you know, they can do that. I don't really think that there's, once again, I think it was deliberately ambiguous. I think when she looks at the refrigerator and sees the images of her kids, you know, that's kind of perhaps proof that she could have decided to stay with the family uh, or perhaps not. But I think that the gift that, rick gives her is this idea of the choice you know because she comes to him and she says dad i'm out of excuses not to be who i am so who am i what do i do she has this identity crisis and by giving her that choice he basically gives her this opportunity to either a you accept the clone and go out and find your own identity or b you reject the clone there and just by doing that you have complete choice in, you know, the line is that you can stay and luxuriate in a life that you know you've chosen. My secret bonus is no matter what you choose, you'll finally chill the fuck out. So by giving her essentially this unlimited freedom, he's giving her the confidence to know who she is. And whether she chose the clone or not, either way, she is able to, I guess, solve that identity crisis in some way. Yeah, it's, it's also interesting that in an episode that contained a lot of uh, exposition for the sake of comedy, where early when they're in Fruity Land and they completely kind of figure out uh, Tommy's backstory before they even have a chance to interact with, the, with them and, and, and have a stage production about it. Um, and then even to the uh, answering machine bit after the credits, like, they they were very like overt like here's stuff that happened we're just going to tell you about it and then in the middle of that you have this scene where we have no information about what beth chose or or what the outcome of the the episode might be so uh so, uh, clever stuff you uh writers yeah clever 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 uh you, you know i a big thing in this episode i thought was the whole theme of kind of taking responsibility for your own actions and and, and and maybe taking responsibility, but also acknowledging that you're making that that choice, and and you're doing it for yourself. You're not doing it or blaming it on others. 
Uh, obviously, Beth was blaming stuff on Rick for being an absentee father. And then we over on Jerry's side where he's, you know, he's, he's rebounding. And then he blames the breakup uh, with, uh, with his alien girlfriend on the kids, right? Uh, it's saying, well, kids, yeah, we know. You're, you're just racist. I get it. You don't want me to be with it. Her head looks like an avocado. Completely <laughs> projecting his 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 uh, his hesitations uh, on the kids. Uh, the conversation that they have in the car uh, when he drops them off after after their day of hunting. Um, it's just just a such a great scene where it's 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 Morty and it's Summer parenting Jerry <laughs> in that moment, and and he asks for help, and they just give him sort of self realization, and that's the best help they feel they can give him at that moment. Are, are you are you going to yeah, help all me? throughout yeah. this? All throughout this season, there's been this role reversal where uh, Morty and sometimes Summer as well act like parents to the their actual parents. Like in uh, the Whirly Dirly conspiracy, Morty is you know constantly berating Beth for like being silly and taking this whole uh, thing with Summer growing huge. You know she didn't have to keep messing with the machine. She could have just called Rick, and you know even. When uh, their neighbor Shane, or Gene, I'm sorry, Gene, Gene you know, uh, pops his head out. He's like, I'm trying to have a conversation with my mother, Gene. Which sounds like, you know, something that either a husband would say about his wife or about their son or daughter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, so. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, so this is, this is the first time since the divorce that we've seen uh, either Beth or Jerry explore the possibilities of dating um, it was obviously done in a very Rick and Morty sort of way with Jerry, not dating, you know, a human, but hooking up on an intergalactic dating site that Rick had apparently suggested while him and Beth were still together. I thought that was a clever little touch there. Um, but yeah, what did, what did you think about just kind of Jerry trying to be like move, moving on from Beth, but definitely not moving on from Beth, almost, almost using, uh, what, what was her name? Uh, there was uh, Kiara. Kiara. Yeah, Kiara almost is like a distraction or diversion from his his continued pain from being apart from Beth. Uh, I, you know, the most. Tr- I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I, I would. I I just think that he was, you know, he he's trying. He's, he he doesn't want to get over Beth. He doesn't really want to get over Beth. But and we can see that mirrored. Uh, at the end of their segment when Kiara's husband or whatever it is shows up uh, talking about the hunt being on, it just happens to be on earth, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it just, just his attempt to show the world that, you know what? No, he's, he is capable. He's, he's okay. He's, he can find love wherever he wants to find love. Uh, And, you know, Beth and, or uh, Summer and Morty, Summer Morty. Ooh, that's, that should be the name of the show. Summer and Morty. That's, weird putting those names together they they <laughs> they see through that shit like right off the bat and and i like uh i like the one line that summer says where she says oh are the days shorter where you're where you where you come from because you're moving kind of fast um the most tragic thing about this for me is that at the end when the very last scene where they're getting those pizzas Rick, I'm sorry, Morty very briefly says to Beth or something about, oh, did you know dad's dating an alien or dated an alien? And it does not phase Beth at all. It's like she doesn't even hear him. So this whole idea of him just rebounding in order to make his wife jealous 
did not work. Yeah, that is a really good point and something I didn't pick up on after several viewings <laughs> of the episode. Uh, but it does it does bring up a question that I have, and and whether Beth is Beth or Beth is a clone version of herself. Uh, do you guys feel like there's any hope of reconciliation between Beth and Jerry? Like they're they're still kind of keeping both sides and throughout the season showing that they both have been struggling with the divorce in their own ways. Uh, do you guys think that there's a chance they're going to come back together, especially? It's just sort of how calm Beth seemed at the end of that that episode. Like maybe she's, you know, she didn't just look at the pictures of Summer and Morty, but she did look at the picture of her with Jerry as well. Like, what 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 are your thoughts on that? Hmm. Uh, I, I can see it happening. I can see them getting back together. Um, especially because I don't know how how long do they want to draw this out? Is this just going to be a season long arc? I mean, they got divorced in the first episode. I think something is going to happen in the next episode, whether uh, they grow farther apart or they get back together or they maybe even just make a small bit of progress. They decide on like, uh, you know, he's just moving back in, but they're still going to stay apart. Something like that. I think some sort of decision is going to be made. Yeah, I there, there's part of me that wants them to stay apart, but I know that from just a, a writing and arc standpoint, it makes sense for them to at some point in time come back together. But, but I, I feel like life isn't like that and it doesn't always wrap up perfectly like that. People get divorced and stay divorced in real life all the time. And I, I, I think it's more interesting to me that they stay divorced and everyone grows from it and realizes more about themselves. Um, by doing it and realizing, you know what, I don't, this relationship wasn't good for us, for any of us. And we can all be better off and be better people without it. Uh, other than, other than being friends or, or parents of the kids. Yeah. It, it does provide an opportunity for the writers to explore sort of this continued development of Jerry as an individual who isn't as dependent on other people. Um, and, and maybe see him, go through growth himself but because of jerry as the character and i like watching jerry as the helpless schmuck that he has been in the first three seasons like i don't know i kind of want to see him back with the family and be that traditional jerry that he has been uh in in the show so i I don't know i'm i i do think that they will do something uh maybe it's not a lot maybe it's only a couple minutes in the in the finale but i definitely think that they are going to have some sort of of pivot in their relationship, whether that's towards getting back together or definitely saying, you know what, we are not uh, letting that happen. But I, I could definitely see them going a step further in the next episode. And, and you, you know, one of the things that this episode did that I thought was clever, and it, it, it's kind of binding the characters together in that they go through similar epiphanies in that, you know, Beth says, am I evil? Rick says, no, you're not evil. You're just smart. And then, Jerry comes upon the epiphany. He says, I'm not evil. I'm just weak and uh, non-imaginative. <laughs> so both of them are kind of confronting their dark evil sides. And although we never see them confront this epiphany in the same room together that could like bring them together, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is a stretch. This is kind of teasing some sort of reconciliation because they both have some sort of growth that parallels their situations. Yeah, it- and, yeah. there, and there's a part of me as well that it it doesn't feel 
I don't feel like it, it's there's any more milk to be milked from their their relationship issues. Uh, staying together, like we've seen the first two seasons, uh, and we've talked about it. Like a lot of the B plot s aspects of the show were about uh there you go, Jerry and Beth are arguing again. You know, and I I don't want I don't want another nine seasons of on again off again relationships like Ross and. Uh, what's her face? <laughs> uh, from Rachel. Ra- Rachel. Ross they were Rachel. on a break, Brandon. They were on a break. <laughs> uh, you know, I think, and you know, feel free to take this, uh, esteemed writers of of the show Rick and Morty. Uh, but what if they go in a completely different direction, and something happens where all of a sudden there's a newfound appreciation for each other, and we get a totally different version of Beth and Jerry together, where they are madly in love and and they're annoyingly so kind of, you know, really into each other. And and there's, you know, different story ideas that they could, I mean, obviously this is all speculation, but, uh, you know, it's, we could see, we could see. Yeah, well, that's happen. the beauty of the multiverse. Uh, yeah. Rick and Morty could switch realities again and go to a world where they're still together. And Jerry is like this badass billionaire breadwinner that Beth just adores. Yeah. Absolutely. Or Paul Fleischman's there. One, one of the, one of the two. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if you read the comics, Jared, but there there was I have not. Okay, so there was uh, a an arc where there was the 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 Jerry from the Doofus Rick dimension who was really 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 smart, and then he takes over the Citadel, mm. and he is actually uh, he just gets a bunch of Beths from a bunch of different universes, uh, and and he was he was Rick's number one ne- nemesis. Uh, so, you know, I think, I don't know if they'll, they'll do it in the show, but that's another interesting conceit. Just that makes me want to read the comics. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right, let's, let's wrap up the main thing with some of our, uh, it's sort of a rapid fire. Some of our favorite bits from this episode, pew, pew. uh, pew. starting, starting off with, pew, pew, pew. uh, pew, pew, the, the bubble gun, uh, <laughs> re- really short and sweet idea, but I just love that that's his way of getting the kids over to Jerry is just. Yep, shoot, shoot. And she's like, there's no air. In-. And then he's completely oblivious to it and just lets them float off uh, with their small lung capacity. <laughs> uh, charms that, uh, the charm that life finds a way. Which, which, which part is that? Uh, this, this is when uh, Rick is, is fighting off the, it's the, the weird tentacle, like uh, half dinosaur. He's in the nest. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, trying to be fed to the, the baby <laughs> uh, pterodactyl type things. And uh, he just he just drops that Jurassic Park reference that he's charmed that life finds a way. But oh, and then he pulls out his that. gun and starts starts shooting him in the head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how good was the play? So good. Yeah, uh, I, I I'm really curious who uh, like the young voice actors are that they got to. I know. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it, it may have been an, it may have been an adult with a really convincing, uh, you know, kind of child actor voice, but uh, very funny. I love I love that Rick uh, towards the end says, "Oh wow, certified fresh," uh, <laughs> with the uh, Rotten Tomatoes reference. There. And and then uh, Beth says, "Fake news." <laughs> yeah, that's that's something that had to have uh, kind of been a, a note that went in uh, after the original script was pushed up, and they're like, "Yeah, we got we got to drop something in for fake news." <laughs> um, it, the the one that one, one that got me was the laundry list of things that never ended of things Rick made for Beth. <laughs> like, 
Uh, is there a particular standout item that kind of resonated with you? Uh, um, other than other than the 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 sentient knife, sentient switch <laughs> switchblade, like I, I, they went through so many, and I, I haven't I haven't rewatched that part of the episode, but it just went on for so so long that I, I didn't I couldn't process and remember all of them. Uh, but it was, you know, it's it's the standard comedy thing. Just keep going until it stops yeah. being funny. That's that's then, classic Brandon right there. Then go longer. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a point when he lists off three or four like really inappropriate things for a child to have, like stickers that track your friends and all kinds of like uh, you know like a lie detecting doll. And then he just says rainbow colored duct tape. Like there's nothing bad about like that's something my kid would ask me to make for them but he he includes it in his list of, of horrific items that the sociopathic uh, oh would the, the, the teddy bear with anatomically correct innards or whatever yeah. <laughs> Do you guys think there's any element there of like you know if you're a kid and you want more of your dad's attention let's say your dad's really into cars then like you pretend to be into cars just to like you know uh spark his interest and this is more to the point I was making earlier. Like, do you think that, she, you know, because she um, defends herself by saying, oh, I was just doing that to get closer to you. But, I mean, if I was a kid and I wanted Rick to like me, I feel like I would think of deranged things, too. That, that yeah, I, I think I think there's a balance to it. I, I definitely think there are times maybe when she's like, you know what, I really need something that would do this. And she asked Rick for it. But then, obviously, she's going to continue asking for things because... It's a way of of getting something from Rick and maybe maybe replacing some of the emotional things that she wants from Rick that she's not getting. Um, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up the car thing though because when I was a kid, man, my older brother, my dad, they'd be working on cars. And I'd be like, God, this is so fucking boring. Why are we doing? Why are you guys watching? Like they got like auto traders from the liquor store and they're just reading <laughs> through it. I'm like I want to play Airwolf for the NES. You know, it's something simple like come that. on. Uh, one last note about this box of items is, uh, I found it interesting that Rick still had them. Uh, and, and we talk a lot about Rick not caring about things, but a, a sentimental individual is a person that holds on to things from their kid's childhood. And a person that doesn't care about anything isn't going to waste the space in the garage. So I, I think just the fact that he had those, uh, aside from being, you know, a comedy device, I think it says something about Rick that he does, in fact, care about Beth, and he was holding on to some of those things. Well, definitely at the at the end, towards the end of the episode, we get probably the clearest indication that uh, Rick does care for his family. Uh, you know, when Beth says, "If nothing matters, why would you do this clone thing for me?" and he says, "I don't know. Maybe you matter so little that I like you, or maybe it makes you matter. Maybe I love you. Maybe something about your dead mother. Don't jump a gift shark in the mouth." That that I mean, line he was cornered. Yeah. That best yeah. line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like that was a little bit of a meadow joke for our, for our sake as well. The yeah, the jump ju jumping the shark and like to to the to the fans like look here's here's a thing you can you can use to read into whether or not I love Beth for real. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, couple couple last quick hits. Uh, the doo doo butt song that that Rick is kind of strumming out on his own, uh, and then that's the song that they play through the montage of them cloning Tommy. <laughs> Uh, if you haven't gone back and really listened to the lyrics of the Doodoo Butt song, I highly recommend it. Poop is like a seed. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the time travel line at the end where Rick, you know, says it to the 
table, but it's really to us that that was not time travel, that the pieces were just on the counter and he grabbed them. Like, just the writers are like, whoa, someone may interpret this as time travel. Let's just nip this in the bud. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And the last one was just got handed an ex machina with with Kiara's husband showing up out of nowhere. Like, yeah. let's get out of here. Yeah, so many, so many writing jokes in this season. There's the one... Uh, in Vindicators, it's like, oh, I don't want to answer a literal call to action. Uh, even in this episode, uh, he also says to Beth, uh, here's something an adventure needs. Conflict, stakes, a need yeah. for me to benefit, and clearly Morty. That's right. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, and honestly, I felt that a little bit with the Tommy adventure, the Fruity Land adventure, where everything just kind of seemed to flow. There wasn't really much conflict aside from Rick's arm being, you know, grabbed and, and ripped off. Um, but overall it just, it didn't feel like a classic adventure. And, uh, you know, as we come to discover that's, that's sort of how they intended it. Yeah. It, uh, all right. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just, I was just going to ask Jared, it, were, were there any other thoughts that you had about the episode that you want to, you want to throw out there? Um, you know, we spent during the squanch this morning, we spent a significant time trying to kind of parse out the specificities of this writing a bull metaphor. Uh, you know, when he's talking about, uh, you know, smart people get a chance to climb on top, climb on top, take reality for a ride. But if we never stop trying, uh, but sorry, but it will never stop trying to throw you and eventually it will. There's no other way off. Uh, I don't know. I think that would just open up too many cans of worms. But uh, that whole speech between him and Beth is really awesome. And we're in the process of producing a video about it right now. So still actually hey. just honestly, we're still we're still kind of collecting our thoughts. It was a really good, really uh, pretty dense episode. I mean. Not as dense as the Tales of the Citadel, but uh, we still, but we all really loved it. Yeah, that that conversation you're referencing right there, uh, you really have to kind of slow down, maybe hit the rewind button on the DVR, your illegally pirated copy of the show, and just kind of like really go over it more than once and figure out what they're saying. It, it because it they blow through it so quickly that uh, there's a lot to unpack. Definitely. Yeah. So check no, out all, the uh, Wisecrack video, I think it was whatever, a great conversation. whatever that. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so it is now time to move on to listener suggestions and short outs where we get to highlight some of the awesome community that is uh, interacting with us on the podcast. Thank you so much to uh, some new patrons. Big thanks to Tony and, oh, y you know, Brandon, Don't put as far as names go, Don't put the sun <laughs> I'm, I'm s like, okay, Joe Chim Van Rentergrim. That's the best, like, I'm going to go with it. It's my Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, and I already used that joke. But, yeah, thank you so much to those patrons for uh, supporting the show. Whole lot of tweets last week. Whole lot. Uh, whole lot. We want to start with Daticus, who is working on this crazy multi-page uh, fan art drawing for Season 3. Definitely recommend you checking that out. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll link it in the, in the show notes. But, they, like, to the point where they drew Tommy on there last night. That's right. Um, and just really keeping up with a lot of the great characters, not just in season three, but from across the three seasons. So yeah. definitely go check that and, out. And Daticus, you know, if you want to throw in a cartoon version of, of the three of us, uh, in, in, into there, like in the background, just subliminal, yeah. feel free. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to be stabbed or shot with like a ray gun <laughs> if that's necessary for the progression of your art. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do that. Yeah. If I get killed by me seeks, I'd be very honored. <laughs> Uh, at Chuck Punch, he wants credit for saying that Evil Morty won't be back this season. 
And because if you looked at the the uh, tag for, for next week, you will see that Rick confronts the president, but our president. Uh, yeah. So, and- so yeah, Chuck wants wants us to give him credit for that, but I refuse to give him the satisfaction, even though we just did it. So moving Wait. on. <laughs> Wait, you mean Trump is going to be in the next episode? Uh, yeah, I know. I said I said our oh. president, but I'm imagining we're C-137 we're in Rick and Morty. president. Or, oh, 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 yeah, oh, yeah, 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 or whoever yeah, yeah. that is. The it's the same president from the. Uh, uh, show me what you got, Gitch, with the episode. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. I can't remember that voice actor's name, but yeah, I, he, I know what you're talking about. From The Thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, damn it. Now, I, now that's going to make Isn't he's him. the guy from the uh, the uh, Allstate commercials, Oh, right? yeah. Is he like in 24 or something? I don't know. He's also in uh, Heat. That guy. That guy. Just go check that guy out on IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we have a tweet from Steven HT three who asks what our favorite episode is. Thank you for the most difficult question for anyone obsessed with Rick and Morty. Uh, he says that his is autoerotic assimilation. Brandon, were you able to pin down an episode? Yeah, it's in, it's in the show notes, Travis. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, but people aren't reading the show notes. We're doing an audio <laughs> podcast. Here, uh, lawnmower dog is up there. But I think just from pure writing quality and just its its cinematic qualities, the Rick Lannis mix-up I think is probably my number one. It's just it's just so fucking yeah. well done. If I I I kind of went back and forth with these because uh, that's that's either my number one or my number two for the season and and probably the series. Um, but I really did love the Rick Shank redemption. Um, yeah, I don't so know good. if it was because of how it was presented in a as a surprise on April Fool's Day, but I've rewatched that episode probably a dozen times. Uh, just so many things, the way that uh, Rick's plan came together, the way that it paralleled uh, the series premiere at the end there, and, and just uh, everything that it's done to set up what has turned out to be a really great season. Uh, I would probably say that's my favorite episode not to put you on the spot jared but do you have a particular episode that you consider your favorite yeah well, i just want to say on the squanch we actually recently revisited uh the rick shank redemption and it's amazing it really holds up uh even after seeing all the rest of the episodes this season man in terms of just one i actually really really do like autoerotic assimilation as well uh that's definitely one of my favorite episodes um you know I kind of feel like there's that when you're in the heat of the season, you know, you're kind of watching it and still trying to formulate, you know, how the season's going to come to a close. But after the season ends, you're going to, we're going to like, you know, revisit these episodes and kind of evaluate them with some distance. So I can't really say that Tales from the Citadel or the Rick Lantis mix up is my favorite, but I think it's a, it's a contender. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Uh, I, I just want to throw out there. Yes. It's, it's Keith David. And not the guy from the Allstate commercials. <laughs> it's not. Okay. Damn it. Damn it's it. Allstate nor 24. No, it is. It's the guy from The Thing. So if you remember The Thing, he's the he's the last person to survive with, uh, you know, that Spoilers, uh, snake Plissken. Spoilers. <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, all right. right. M- moving along. Stephen uh, H. But not easy. Uh, oh, no. We just did no, that one. We, we already did. Come on, <laughs> I was Brandon. looking up Keith David, Keith, man. Keith. <laughs> Uh, all right, Fresh But Not Easy says that in some time in some timeline we are the official Rick and Morty podcast. Just think about it. Um, not that it's 
it's a little awkward having Jared on when we read that tweet, but <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. in another timeline, they are the official too. So, but uh, appreciate that point. You know, what, what's really the great thing about infinite universes. Exactly right. Like you guys have an official one out there. We have an official one out there. And in, a, in some universe, maybe we are actually all on the same podcast. Yeah. Like, like right now, but with, but with hammers as heads. <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely. in some universe, the show is called Brandon and Travis. Holy shit. Ah, okay. Too much for me. Can't can't go that far. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and this was an episode called Jared's Mind Blowers. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, quick shout out for a tweet where I just took pictures of the uh, portal gun and ray gun that I bought at the Spirit Halloween store. People went nuts for those things. Um, but hey, uh, not a sponsor, but go over to the local strip mall and pick up some uh, Rick and Morty swag from the Spirit Halloween store. Did they have other costumes, like uh, any other kind of monsters or anything? Uh, as far as Rick and Morty stuff was concerned, it was really just uh, Rick and Morty. Um, they had like adult and teen versions of them. They had a pretty cool Morty mask that, that seemed a lot truer to the show. And then all the Rick stuff was like actual wigs. So yeah. it, it looked like a, Cheesy wig. a more realistic version. Yeah, realistic. It's weird because they put the they include the unibrow uh, in the wig, and it just it just looked this but, big bushy mess. Yeah, and it's, yeah but they I, just I, they, I they just put a new sticker on the Doc Brown costume. <laughs> they might have. They, I they, don't know. They I think all they did was add just a unibrow to the top to the bottom because it's like there's no space between the unibrow and and the the wig. So it's just like the unibrow is on top of the wig. It looks it looks pretty bad. But yeah, the, the the model that's wearing it, you can see his actual eyebrows yeah. still underneath it. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. But the, rest rest assured, there is no so far as I can tell a sexy Rick and Morty costume out there. <laughs> so we're still winning that fight, and that's a that's a good thing. Uh, uh, I want to shout out to at Cassie Eat Brains. She hit us up on DM last week, and I talked about this on the Squanch too. Room two thirty seven being the Shining reference. Uh, on Mr. Lunas's uh, front door, and that being about, I mean, like uh, an indicator of suicide. But she she brings up an interesting point in the Room Two Thirty Seven documentary. Uh, one of the which is about Stanley Kubrick and all these different people's theories on what The Shining is actually about. One of the theories is that Stanley Kubrick is telling everybody through The Shining that the moon landing was faked and he helped film it. Oh, that's very clever. Yeah. So I, oh. so I thought that oh, was right. I thought that was really interesting. And I watched Room Two Thirty Seven, and I drank a lot of wine to get through. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you think about that documentary? Uh, you know, I, it it was interesting. There's people have a lot of interesting theories, and and the thing is, and I think it's true with The Shining or really just any piece of media. You can latch on to certain things, and because humans look for patterns and meaning in life you can find just about anything to justify your position or theory if you look hard enough. Um, and, and so I feel that, you know, it's, it's cool that these people are like, oh, yeah, this is The Shining is about the slaughter of Indians or the fake moon landing. Um, I think that's interesting. I don't necessarily agree with any of it, but... I, I, I don't agree with any of it. My biggest problem with the documentary is I wanted to see these people yeah. You know, I think that the more the more interesting subject of the documentary would be who are these people who, you know, love to put this much thought into that stuff 
you know, the, to me, that that was the more interesting question rather than these kind of faceless voices just theorizing. The, the other question I have about it is why do they keep showing images of Eyes Wide Shut? It's, it's like they, they ran out of stock footage <laughs> for a lot of this, this documentary. Yeah, but, I remember that. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, thank you, Cassie Brains. Um, Travis, what, what else do we got? Uh, let's, let's roll through uh, a few quick reviews. Thank you guys, uh, who continue to support the show and put your reviews up on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you happen to use. Uh, someone named guys stop complaining in all caps, uh, says great to listen to after each new episode. Sad. I missed the 50th review. That was our 51st review. So thank uh. you guys. Stop complaining. Uh, unlimited please. And some sort of lead speak there or something. Uh, I was raised by a cup of coffee. Uh, they say they're super behind on these episodes, but appreciate us and wanted uh, a shortcut. It says wanted a shortcut too, but I think they wanted a short out. Okay. Um, I didn't know so, if that was so you misspelling it or, or him. I don't know. Well, I'm going to blame Google either way. I'm sure it's their fault. <laughs> uh, uh, and then, oh, go ahead. You can read Go Goran17, grass tastes bad. Hey guys, loving the podcast. I'm not caught up, but I'm binging. Keep up the great work. Found us through the squanch. Hey, squanch. Thanks, Jared. Jared. You're welcome, guys. You, you're always Aw, doing shucks. things for us. <laughs> uh, uh, they, they did say that they find it interesting how much smarter Morty has been getting uh, as the seasons progress. Him disarming the neutrino bombs, uh, fixing that growth shrinking machine. Um, I don't, I don't. We talked a little bit about this. I definitely think Morty has developed as a character. Uh, throughout the season and i don't think it's gonna stop anytime soon i think i think we're gonna continue to see morty uh be less helpless and and more independent as he continues to travel around with rick yeah uh and that's that's it that is it for reviews and i think that's it for the show but before we before we go jared everybody wants to know everybody wants to know who's listening to the show because they're like oh finally somebody who knows what they're talking about how can people get a hold of you? How can they listen to the Squanch and other YouTube content? Oh, thank plug you. Away. Uh, yeah, so here's here's the shameless plug, guys. Uh, so you could just search for the Squanch on uh, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Google Play, any of those things. Uh, or you can go to the Wisecrack Podcast Network. We have a couple other podcasts. We actually just started a South Park podcast, and we're doing the same thing, reviewing all the season 21 episodes of south park as they come out um and you can hit us up on youtube where youtube.com slash wisecrack or just search wisecrack we're also breaking down most of the episodes of this season you know um we're always kind of focusing more on the philosophy that's uh kind of ingrained in these episodes so for ones like the most recent one uh on morty's mind blowers since it was more of a clip show we didn't really uh we didn't force anything, you know, we didn't talk about any philosophy if it wasn't there, but we are working on one for the ABCs of Beth, so uh, be on the lookout for that. That should be up on Wednesday or Thursday, and I want to thank Brandon and Travis. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. We appreciate you being willing to, to come on the show and, and hang out with us, and uh, Brandon, Jared, I, I can't believe uh, only one episode left next I week, know. The, the, the season three finale. Uh Unity, be sure after that episode to hit us up on Twitter, send us your emails, send us your thoughts on the finale. I'm sure something huge is going to happen. We haven't had a season finale without some sort of uh, really huge reveal or, or twist to the end of it. So uh, really excited to see what the writers have in store for us. 
and uh, excited to talk next week. Absolutely. You would think that they would do 12 episodes because it's such a success now. You 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 would think that. You'd also yeah. you'd also think that uh you know they would be renewed and they'd have a script like Bojack does for season 5 already <laughs> in in the pipeline. Uh, have they not been renewed yet? I I think they I think they are, but so they the, have to be. The other day the other day Will Arnett posted a tweet with the season 5 of Bojack Horseman script. Season five, episode one. Uh, so they're they're ahead of the power curve. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm confident that Adult Swim will 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 come to an agreement with with Justin and Dan, and I I'm I'm just really hopeful that we don't have like another two year gap before oh, we yeah, get another season because uh, the the podcast might have to take a hiatus if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> For real. All right. Uh, all right. Well, that's our show. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, thank you, Jared. I'm Travis. I am Brandon. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, guys. And uh, yeah, and we'll we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye bye.